This is Film Club. Hooray! 2024 Film Club! We made it. Just so everyone is aware, the quarterly Caporegine email is either forthcoming or you've already received it, depending on when I edit this. But that just has information about this year's sticker collectible and yeah kind of any other information regarding film club 2024 and just a reminder that our 1917 film is has been announced already and it is pretty little rich girl so make sure you watch that otherwise i also want to just say if you did not get any of the stickers from last year and you had a sticker sheet please let me or rachel know all right i'm so excited to delve into this so I'm going to do just a lot of talking up front, so I apologize in advance. Not really, because I'm so passionate about this. Film Club is going to look very similar to how it has, but maybe just a little bit more structure, at least for this year. Uh, and we're always going to start off with a little bit of a, like, settling into the decade. I- I'm going to cheat a little bit, and we're going to talk about, like, 30 years, when we should just be focusing on the the... 1900s however we have to to go backwards in time to know to get situated with where we are so i mean i'm saying we're starting in like the 1880s because that's kind of the earliest argument for a film camera being made there however some people could argue that cave paintings are the original films because of um, how flickering light was used and to kind of as some people suggest dramatize what was happening in in telling stories. But of course, um, we're talking about, we're just going to do a little bit of a a ground, lay a groundwork of how does film even work. Um, And so we we talk about some of these more scientific principles of the persistence of vision. And this comes from Peter Marc Roger. And it's this idea of your brain retains an image for a fifth of a second. And if another frame appears within that time, um, the black frame that separates the two images isn't registered by your brain and so it is that persistence of vision where it's like it can continue to see things and interpret the brain interprets it as a continuous um this is also related to the phi phenomenon which was identified by max wertheimer that when images are put together in this way the images are in constant motion and you interpret still images as movement and like I understand that, but I always forget about it. And like, even looking at you right now, as we're talking through a screen, like it's just images. Like my brain doesn't understand. (laughs) Like I think just growing up with movies and already having that just be part of the norm. It's so weird to think of them as not video. Like it's just, they're, they're just still images. It's, it's Mm -hmm. anyway. So for now, um, of course, this is where the idea of a movie comes from is it's a moving picture which they used to be called just pictures or a moving picture you know movie show and it's of course colloquially over time just gets shortened to a movie so I talked about a little bit of like the cave paintings that are gonna go all the way back but there's always been um a desire to tell stories visually and certainly you can point to zoetropes and magic lanterns as being some of the early precursors to cinema the zoetrope of course being that thing that you spin and you could look inside and it's like it's like a Disneyland face <laughs> and magic lantern uh, being a, something that you can project and kind of tell stories with um but of course we really have photography to think to uh as being a, really such a big precursor to film and so many things are happening like uh, a lot of historians and and film historians talk about the beginnings of film and photography 
photography less so, but film definitely, as like no one set out to create movies. No one set out to like invent this. They're all accidents. Like everything that happened was just like people are experimenting and trying new things and then like stuff happens and they're like, oh, we can go further with that. But so with photography, they have, you know, the like the light boxes and it's more just like a fun thing that you can see something reflected. And then people are playing around with photosensitive chemicals that are kind of dangerous. <laughs> Rip. But suddenly those chemicals are interpreting the light and the image is retained. And uh, then you're, you're starting to get photography. And there's a lot of experimenting and processing with that. Eventually you get to a place where um, Edward Moybridge is at the races. And it's this very famous story, right? Where he's taking, where there's the bet from Leland Stanford. And does the horse have all four feet? in the air while it's running at a certain point and Moybridge sets up 12 cameras and they're all taking photographs one after another and you get those images and so that was like to prove the bet but then like oh we have this way of taking lots of images in rapid succession oh can we like put them together and we can create constant movement and we can create this illusion and eventually more and more people kind of pick this up and you get Edison spooky <laughs> who um, obviously dabbles a lot in stealing inventions but he and another man, W.W. W. Dixon, are uh, responsible for inventing the kinetograph and the kinescope, which are very primitive early camp movie cameras, essentially. Although there is a very fascinating story that I was just made aware of, of this French man, like a decade before the Lumiere brothers, who we'll talk about in a minute, um, who like invented a better movie camera and then like mysteriously disappeared and like nobody knows. Ooh if he was like murdered or if he committed suicide or like what happened to him at all translated and to heaven <laughs> and Bob said they're not ready for that yet his so family was like suing edison to try and get the patent <gasps> from him and they like didn't have enough proof anyway like the supreme court sided with edison as they are wont to do unfortunately and so his family like didn't he hasn't been recognized um, for a long time, but recently he's been getting some some acclaim, so that's good. But anyway, the kinet uh, kinetograph works on taking celluloid, which is going to be like a much uh, thinner. It it's this transition from using metal plates with photography to using film, and then using this film into a celluloid, which is going to be thinner and easier to use. Um, and using a machine that mechanically will move the individual cells at the right speed to be able to capture it to create the illusion. Um, and so the kinetograph uses that celluloid and they put holes in it, which are called sprocket holes, which if you follow me on Letterboxd, that's my name sprocket is Sprocket Rage. Rage. And it, it can click it one at a time. Now the downside of this was it's incredibly heavy. Like it was not transportable. They had to build a soundstage around it. Basically it could rotate because it had to, uh, to it required so much sunlight. And so it was kind of like this big open roof in a lot of ways. And so as the sun moved across the sky, they would like have to rotate it so that they would still get enough light to, to make it. And it required electricity. And so again, like you, you couldn't really take it other places. Um, and it also was the way that people would view it was in the kinescope, which is like when you go to Disneyland and you can like look in the little box and see like the really short reels. So it's also very limited in how long these films could be. They were usually like vaudeville performers and, you know, like the strong man. There's the very famous mm -hmm. sensual one that was like, Ooh, which was the kiss, but like they like don't even like fully kiss, but it was like so scandalous to show that. 
Um, and it's a, it's an individual experience and it's very short and it's just like the clips that kind of repeat over and over again, which is ironic because today we've really reverted back to that in a lot of ways through Vine, but now TikTok. And it's like these small snippets of entertainment that are like really only viewed by one person at a time. So it's just mm -hmm. interesting how things cycle. All right. So now we're going to jump to France, which I think is great because we have representation of America and now I'm in France. <laughs> <laughs> but the Lumiere brothers, obviously, they take a lot of the ideas that Edison um, has gotten claim for, but they create the cinematograph, the, cinem the cinematograph, cinematograph. Um, which is like you can film, you can um, process, you can like develop the film in the same box and project it like all kind of an all in one machine. And it's so much smaller It's and it's lighter. It's transportable and you don't have to require um it doesn't require electricity you can use a hand crank which is like so classic and i think puts us in in the right frame of mind for moving forward for um how some of these next films are created uh like man with the movie camera <laughs> shout out yeah but i love it because it's this the cinematog cinematograph <laughs> um means is like literally translated means writing with movement and i like cinema it's like it's fun to see where some of these words that we still use today have their origins. Like, um, obviously, where you could go and see the kinescopes with Edison, you would pay a nickel, and so they're called Nickelodeons, and that's has also mm -hmm. stuck around. Okay, but with Lumiere Brothers, very famous. We're still very much rooted in the 19th century, 1800s, 1880s, starting into the 1890s. They go around and they do a lot of like in plein air shots, and so they're filming back people leaving their factories. Uh, it's the very famous scene of the train leaving the station. And what sets them apart more than Edison, Edison famously is like, this is a fad. This isn't going to stay around because like it really wasn't generating enough money and like only one person at a time could view it. Whereas Lumiere brothers from the get go are projecting and they like, there is an, an American who like technically beat them to having a projected movie show, but they like publicized it and there was a lot of hype around it. And so a lot of people credit them with having like the first movie theater experience. There's this very famous legend of like the train is arriving and the audience screams and like runs in terror and they're panicked because I think a real train's coming. And more recently, film historians have been like, ah, that's probably not really what happened. Like they probably like screamed and were excited because it was like the most incredible thing to see, but they had seen projection shows they had seen like you know it wasn't a real they change. weren't like stupid yeah <laughs> so but it's now film that takes on this communal experience and even today like film takes on different meanings depending on where you are like what's going on in your life when you're watching it who you watch it with and it means different when you watch it in a theater versus when you just watch it alone and I think we will talk about this maybe eventually with like some of the rise and and fall of theater in even recent years but um, streaming has made film so accessible in a lot of ways and it's really changed a lot of the ways that film was meant to be viewed or like the different experience that it has and I'm glad that in our January episode we talked about like what was the best theater experience because I do think there's a lot of merit to viewing a film with strangers even with other mm -hmm. people and with with unknown going back to the 1890s uh, well actually we're, we've stepped into the the 20th century but the Lumiere brothers themselves left film in 1905 and a lot of everyone who's kind of experimenting and doing all these things they're seeing it as a disappearing medium and also even Charlie Chaplin a little bit in in the next decade doesn't think it's going to stick around which is just is so funny in hindsight <laughs> because it's so film is such a lucrative such an important art mm -hmm. style and it really kind of comes to save it at this point 
is editing before we are just we have one plane we it's the camera's not moving people are coming and going but like it's it's capturing moments in time rather than like telling a story and so where editing comes in um and we really have George Melies to thank for this um of course he's coming from this background in theater especially uh magic theater and and trying to perform and do all these illusions and I'm glad we picked one of his films because you can really see that showing up and obviously, if you've ever seen Hugo, I think you have more of a familiarity with Méliès. But where it starts is he's out there in Paris, hand-cranking, just filming a, a Paris street scene, and the camera jams. And he, like, hits it a little bit, and he finally gets it going. Later, when he's watching it back, he sees people walking on a street. He sees, like, this omnibus going with people in it. And then out of nowhere, the omnibus turns into a hearse, and men and children disappear, and you know, men turn into women and like everything is different. And he was just like, this is literally the coolest thing ever. And like, I also just love the like omnibus turning into a hearse. Like it has all these meanings. It's not even just like cool magic trick. It's like, whoa, like we can do stuff with this. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the very famous um, illusions and different editing tricks that happen here are the double exposure, which is taking the same piece of film and filming twice on it. And so the first time you filmed it, it's becoming like a little bit more ghostly, especially if you do it right. The split screen where you cover up half of the film celluloid and shoot one thing and then you change it and film on the other side on the same celluloid, which is like so genius how they come up with this. When you think about, again, going back to that, like fifth of a second, 24 frames per second, how many small frames and cells that you're having to do. There's also matting, which is like coloring on um, the actual celluloids. And we didn't really see it in these films, but I'm sure you can think of like, and maybe it'll be more in in the next century or next century, the next decade as well. When you think about like intolerance and like the different colors that are happening that to, to yeah. keep this the story mm -hmm. separate, like mm -hmm. those are hand painted, you know, into frames per second. Like so much oh, work wow. is going in to all of this stuff, and I, it's so easy for us to forget just how. Um, remarkable all this is. There's also different tiltings and pannings and like manipulation of the camera that's going on. A lot of those things that are happening are not done post-production, like they're, they're done in camera editing. So it's just, there's so much fun experimenting here and it's all for the sake of story. Now, Melia is very much about illusion and what cool tricks can we do on camera and how can we wow the audience? And there's also Alice Guy Blanchet, who is a female director. And I just, so it's fun that like women are also very much involved in the creative process and in this art style from the get-go. Edwin S. Porter is an American. You've seen The Great Train Robbery. It is um, an excellent film. Highly recommend. But he is really cited as helping to move film forward into like storytelling. Whereas Melee is like, there are sometimes stories, but it really is just like incredible visuals, what's going on. And where Edwin S. Porter is different is he manipulates time and he is able to edit scenes and stories together so that you know things are happening at the same time and it cuts back and forth between do like parallel events that are happening at the same time which i think is great because at our the great train robbery comes robbery comes out before the eclipse that we watched and in the eclipse you see that george melier has possibly seen or heard porter's work because now he's manipulating time there's stuff happening in the skies and it cuts back to what's happening in the astronomy room mm -hmm. like 
before the the trip to the moon his most famous one that just like follows a through storyline there's never any like cuts back or forth and like just a few years later he's also working with how do we tell a story and like we set up a scene and they're watching but like we can kind of cut back and forth and the audience understands that these things are happening simultaneously um and of course we we recognize here that synchronized sound is not available but that doesn't mean that the films were actually silent often they had a grand orchestra with them in the movie theaters. They would sometimes have people reading dialogue over the top. So even though today a lot of movies don't have it or they have uh, like different audio than what was originally there, um, we have to remember when we're watching these films that they weren't silent. So that's kind of a nice foray and discussion uh, historically into where we are within film history, where we've come. Yeah, I think we can just jump in and talk about these two films. Um, so the first film was Haunted Hotel by J. Stuart Blackton was the director. It is about a traveler who comes to a very sinister abode that has images of lightning witches, even a face made of its several parts. And while trying to unpack, eat, and rest for the night, he is continually interrupted and bothered by spirits and devils that impede his activities. <laughs> and then, do you want me to read the next one too? Sure. And the second film was Eclipse by Georges Méliès, as we have discussed it's about an astronomy class that first has a lecture from the professor and then gather to watch as the two human-faced celestial bodies, the sun and the moon, pass over each other. Falling stars, meteors, and planets fill the night sky and overwhelm the professor who falls out of a window and into a rain barrel, whereupon he is revived by his students. And doesn't he? I feel like he died. <laughs> I don't know. It was unclear. Because um, I feel like he kept coming back to life. So <laughs> Right. <laughs> uh haunted hotel i love this one so much <laughs> i just love from the get-go we have some su supernatural things going on um the witches and like the spooky trees at the beginning um someone pointed out they really loved the dancing ghosts like there's a lot of i think they could have just left it as like ooh, what's what's moving everything but then they are literally like supernatural here are the images here are the spooky ghosts like i here love are the it. witches <laughs> yeah the <laughs> at one point the traveler does this like intense pratfall dive which i think is very emblematic of the vaudeville era and you know just kind of these these silly things that it's also a comedy at the same time um and i what cracks me up which i don't know is like intended originally but like he is just so calm all these insane crazy things are happening and he's just like well, I guess I'll eat, you know like i'm here might as well <laughs> and then like the meal just makes himself and he's like yeah okay i'll eat it <laughs> Like when um he's sitting up and then his glove keeps like flying away and he just yes. picks it up and puts it back and it flies away and he's like like he just is like no <laughs> yeah it seems like a very like Charlie Chaplin mm. humor trope where like the same thing happens like multiple times yes. over and over again and like every time it happens it's a little bit funnier that just seems like of that time period that's kind of something you see a lot yeah yeah for sure. Um, it's a fine line to walk when it's like, is this still funny or has it become annoying? <laughs> <laughs> Can I handle it one more time? <laughs> I love when the ghosts just come around dancing ghosties for the win. They make me so happy. Is um, that the double exposure? Like your or the Yeah, yeah. Like when it seems like they're on top of each other and like you can kind of see through them. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. double mm -hmm. exposure going on. Which I just, I love that people, it's probably an accident, right? Like that someone was like, 
filming and then they're like oh shoot we already like filmed this on the celluloid and then they're like wait a second number one looks like a ghost number two let us roll with that let's intentionally make ghosts like i just (laughs) ah i love humans so much sometimes (laughs) i was just thinking too this is rachel from the editing bay while i was editing this i was thinking about how photography still is informing film and it would be interesting to go and look and see like was it double exposure did it happen organically or because in photography double exposure has been experimented with for a long time there's like right after the civil war there's this uptick in doing double exposure photography and creating images of deceased people and like having them be ghostly figures like famously there's one of abraham lincoln after he'd been assassinated and his wife went and got a photograph and had like someone stand in as Lincoln, but it's like a with a double exposure, so it's very ghostly. And it's also people use this to scam other people and and it's kind of the uptick in, of seance and right after the Civil War there's so much collective grief and trying to process and understand how to move forward as a nation after so many people were just killed a lot of people turned to spiritualism and i think sometimes it was like an honest attempt of like oh we can create this image of your ghostly relative your ghostly loved one and that will give you some comfort and then in some other ways it was like really kind of scummy and taking advantage of people's grief and profiting from that and trying to you know i think a lot of what we interpret of people being mediums and taking advantage of people's grief there's definitely that happening in photography as well anyway i have a lot of thoughts on this but i was just thinking about how cool early photography and film is and what influences each other and and just how important it is to recognize how the technology transforms but also how it's informed by what's happening on a larger global scale um both socially and you know, through communication, things like that. I could talk about this for a long time. I'm going to get back to editing. Thanks for listening. And then the meal of people really loved, uh, the capital regimes loved, like the meal making itself and the table moving. and Stop <laughs> motion. Said, yeah, someone said the dancing hanky, which I appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, this is, so yes, stop motion animation. And the director, J. Stewart Blackton, he is sometimes credited as the father of animation. So some of his other films involve like a blackboard and like drawings starting to appear on them. And so, yeah, it's this very much related to photography where you can like start and stop the camera, where you start, start it, stop it, move things, start it, stop it. You know, people understand how stop motion works, but it is very smooth. Like I think a lot of the, the stop motion animation that's made today, we have the luxury of having computers and digital ways of being able to make sure everything looks just right before continuing like it would be so easy for this to look really bad or to waste a lot of film trying to make it and I'm jumping a little bit here but I'll talk about my obsession of the stop motion when we get to the technical elements so we'll stay rooted in just our favorite moments and scenes and characters I also loved his jammies (laughs) my notes say his jammies off screen and (laughs) just like the classic (laughs) stripes and the cute little nightcap like i wish we still wore clothes like that to bed oh my gosh bring it back we willy winky time <laughs> some favorite characters were the monster that ate the sleeping person and the milkman i'm not sure i don't remember who the milkman was probably the innkeeper maybe oh okay 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 he is my favorite character just gosh. like walking in bringing the food leaves walking in bringing some else leaves like just like <laughs> that's right like, oh, yeah. <laughs> 
I do really like the face at the beginning. I don't know if the character, yeah. the house itself, is a character. But I, I'm gonna, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna throw it to that favorite moments and scenes from the eclipse. <laughs> Someone really loved the kids putting something on the teacher's back. I like don't really remember this part, <laughs> which is embarrassing because these films are so short. Like you think I would remember every moment, but I do love there's like some guy reacting to when the professor falls. Like it just seemed like such an overreaction and I clocked it and I was like, this is this is quality. <laughs> and and the the professor does like these intense high kicks, like his reaction after falling into the barrel. Oh yeah. I I hope he hasn't suffered brain damage after falling headfirst into a barrel. Like, excuse me, what? <laughs> this is the most random. He's falling out. I'm panicked. He falls, like, the barrel breaks his fall. But, like, how? <laughs> and I understand it's full of water and that maybe would have helped, but I understand it's a film. But I just really was like, what? <laughs> making sense. <laughs> Medically. Yeah, yeah. Throw in your medical opinion here, your professional take. But yeah, it the it's fun because in a lot of ways, both of these films are feel very similar. They're made at the same time. They're made in the same year. But the, it's, they're very different in a lot of ways. And the first one is so story-based. And this one is just kind of like, ooh, look at all these cool things that are happening in the sky. <laughs> so I, I don't know that I had like favorite scenes necessarily. Did you have anything else you wanted to add before we move on? I just I said... I am cackling. Why is he doing that with his mouth? <laughs> just this, this celestial bodies, the sun and the moon, just doing this. They, yeah, it's <laughs> it's a, really a choice. So like, weird. right? Like, what? Where did that come from? And <laughs> what was the directing on that? Like, George maybe is like, all right, guys, like it's just your face right now, but imagine that you are the sun, and just like imagine <laughs> you're so excited to like meet, and they're like, you know what? tongue licking this like face like we're just i know how to show excitement let's like, go yeah try and make it interesting when it's just your face and they're like okay guys i'll yeah. use my tongue the face acting on this was yeah chef's kiss some favorite characters we had a capo regime who said the hardcore astrologer dude who falls in a barrel of water did you have a favorite character um i'll probably also say that barrel guy i mean it's hard there's like not very many other characters that are like recognizable you know i'll, I'll throw it out to the freaky faces on the sun and moon so so if we jump uh into some more of the technical aspects of these films capo regimes for both of them were uh noticing the, the costuming the face acting special effects, the humor, and the inventiveness of cinematography. Um, with the haunted, re with regards to the haunted hotel, I'm so excited to dive into the stop motion. <laughs> I am obsessed with early stop motion and just special effects. Like it blows my mind. I think it's just because anything that we see today, it's like, oh, that's really cool. But there was always a precedence for it. Not to say there's not a precedence for some of these ideas. Obviously there's theater and magic shows, but it's just like, how? How do you make this happen? It's so, like, the human mind is so creative, and so the inventiveness of it, like, oh, I'm literally obsessed in figuring out how to do it. It just feels so pure and wholesome and, like, so genuine and sincere, and I, I think there's something about it that I just, like, I want to eat it up. I love it. But it's really cool here. It's not because it, like, at the beginning, it's just kind of moving images, which, and moving objects, which is, like, I did that in junior high school, right? And it looks terrible, but, like, I had little Sharpies like chasing themselves around. Oh. So that's like, yeah, okay, that's like pretty basic. But then like the bread is slicing itself and like- Yeah, that's crazy. You can't really see the wires on that. Like it looks really smooth and really good. 
Um, the floating kettle, excuse me. I'm just like, oh, I don't even know how to start to do that today. You know, I'm sure I could right. figure it out or like look it up, but like to just do it all your own. I don't know, like the coordinated attacks, like what you're saying with the gloves, the double exposures, when things were growing, then like the room tilts and spin. I was so the spin obviously is the camera, but the room tilting, I was trying so hard to see if it was the sound stage that they somehow mm -hmm. got to move or if they just moved the camera. Like, it's so cool. I love it. And if it's just the camera tilting, that guy did a great job falling. <laughs> I did, right. Oscar winning acting with the camera tipping. <laughs> right? He was really into it. Yeah. And I feel like I need to watch it back again because we're, we have this, this point of view of the, the set, but then suddenly it's, it's an allusion to a smaller set because there's a huge person outside. And so mm. like, did that, when did that change occur? I don't feel like it's possible for it to be double exposure because the creature is like fully on the outside, you know, that's not like a see-through mm -hmm. image. And so like, like was it just a transition cut fade that we couldn't see that we like, oh, so cool. I love it. I love it so much. I think you can watch this and just be like, oh, that's, that's pretty nifty. But if you really stop and try to like think about how did they do these things, and that's part of why magic shows are so fun, right? But for some reason in early film, oh, it's so impressive to me. And I'm, I just adore it with all my heart. There doesn't even have to be a story connected to it. But the fact that it's also like spooky, no wonder this is one of my very favorite early films. <laughs> it's so, so good. Would they draw on the face of the house? Like, how does that... Because that's not, they're not filming something there. Oh, like, like when, physically on the the Yeah, or celluloid? how would they make it, how would they make the face appear? Because it is like a drawing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's more they like, must have... it gives me, like, early Mickey Mouse vibes. Like, yeah. early Disney cartoon vibes. Because I didn't, oh, that's, I, I feel like I gotta go watch it back. Maybe <laughs> I'll do that in the 10 minute break. All right, shifting to the eclipse, some of the technical aspects, I'll let you take the lead with that well i did say there feels like there's much more effort in this one with costumes and like there's mm -hmm. a much bigger cast of mm -hmm. course yeah the set design you mentioned that i was shook by the set design yeah um, just really gorgeous like opulent very pretty like the telescopes are also like just so giant and grand you also mentioned matte paintings is that part of the set yeah so there's I don't know if I'm using the terms correctly because there's like you paint directly on the celluloid versus like I'm talking about like the backdrop paintings and like right. so there those are two different things but I both call them matte paintings so I think I'm incorrect <laughs> somewhere <laughs> but yes yeah so the the sets and the large cast that's like something very specific to Melier and again coming from his background in the theater um, I think a lot of other film production companies at this time are working with much smaller means and on a lot less grand scale and I think most of that has to do with like money as far as they like it's already expensive to have a camera and uh, a warehouse to film in and you're not making like a ton of money and so like it doesn't make a lot of sense to hire a lot of people I, but then I think Melis is like so invested in the art and the theatrics of it that like he doesn't really care and he of course if you know much about his life like when World War One comes he goes in bankrupt and uh, like some of his films are lost and like he's just not well known at all and eventually in like the 20s 30s people kind of rediscover his films and find him again he's like selling candy on the street like he really is <laughs> cut down 
Um, and this is what Hugo largely is about. Again, great film, Martin Scorsese. Uh, they actually bestow upon him like a legion of honor, which is the the most the highest award you can receive in France. So he does like get his his uh, recognition eventually, but it is it's so rooted in theater, and I love it because it's so distinct. Like I think people think early film is all the same, and here we have two diff- very different stories. We have two very different genres, and two very different approaches in everything like like you said like the costuming the sets but also like um the editing here it's like all in on haunted hotel it's like in one room a lot of really fun trick shots here it's like the grand vistas of space and there's a lot going on in time we talked about the time jumps that are happening and we have fades we have different edits we have the cuts between these scenes like they mean something they're not just oh what kind of special effects can we show but because of editing now transitions these cuts these fades they mean something they they open it up to the grandeur of space like the process of filmmaking is helping to tell the story the grandeur of space is why he falls out the window right and so i love that like okay here's the simple story and i think previous to this decade and like well it really transforms in this decade like it used to more just be oh let's show cool things on the screen but now it's like well let's use the process of filmmaking and the actual technicality of it to support the storytelling that's such a cool thing about film and something that I just absolutely love where I don't know you take a painting and it's all visual and it's all there and you can think about how it was made and sometimes that really helps add to the meaning of it with filmmaking, it's it's one thing to just shoot it, but then it's just another to think about like all the levels and layers of how it all contributes to the storytelling. And it's such a cool medium. And I'm so excited to explore that and how it changes and how that adapts with new technologies and changes in human history and what, what happens when society changes. But yeah, so it's, it's just so fun to see from the get-go all these things. The aerialists are so fascinating and so cool. And uh, back to the Haunted Hotel. I rewatched it. Mm. I do think that they are physical drawings, but I don't think it's true animation like how we understand it in the 1930s or even like Gertie. Like I think they're physical drawings that are st- set up and like physically manipulated instead of like oh, okay. drawn to be changed. Does that like, make sense? Drawn onto the film. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I think one thing with all the technicality stuff that a lot of people are like, wow, that would have been really cool in the day. And I'm like, it's still cool today. Like <laughs> everything that I see when I watch it, I, it is important to think about like having never really seen anything like it before, how mind blowing that would have been. But even today with everything going on, thinking about how limited it was, I don't think I could produce anything to that scale or ability. Like I don't have the patience for it. I don't have the know-how exactly, but I just love it. I'm so impressed and so wowed. And and to think about like these filmmakers, it's hard to remove them from their time period because do they have the vocabulary and the knowledge and the understanding of how film works? If you gave them all the tools that we have today, you know, like that's what's going to be so fun is like tracing the changes in film history and film technologies over time. You really can't pluck someone from 1900s and put them in 2024 and be like look at all these cool things and cameras and tricks and editing things that you can do now I think they'd be like I don't even know where to begin you know like, what, what stories are going on yeah. you guys are telling really different stories now than what we're telling <laughs> back in 1900 but um with that we can kind of dip a little bit more into like looking at these films through that that historical lens of like how does the historical time period influence 
these films and what do the films say about the historical time period. So I was talking about it a little bit earlier um, and again it, it's still part of this whole idea of like film and early film is so full of just accidents that are exciting and they they keep moving with it and stop motion was an accident. So this is with Blackton again. He started doing these things and George Melier is doing certain things and then other people copy them. And so there's just, again, there's so much collaboration that's happening, even though it's like 1900s and we kind of think like, oh, it took a while for information to travel around. But like because of the telephone and the telegraph and all these different things that are like newspapers, printing, uh, photography starting to become bigger, like information spreads so much faster than uh, it used to. And so it's so interesting. I'd like, could photography and film have happened earlier? Everything that happens with the Industrial Revolution and that there's time to experiment. But then also I do just think like the, the more that it, communication happens, the faster different technologies are able to develop. And that's the other thing is there's not a very clear like, well, this person came up with this thing, which inspired this person to come up with that thing. Like every, there's so many people experimenting and trying different things all at once. And these are just some of the four figures that are the most famous that we end up talking about that were the most influential as well. But okay, back to stop motion. Um, So this was, this is a story that stop motion was apparently accidental and it occurred around 1905. So that's also so fun, like thinking 1905 mm-hmm. and these films are 1907, like how truly yeah. brand new this is. According to Albert Smith, one day the crew was filming a complex series of stop action effects on the roof while steam from the building's generator was billowing in the background. On playing the film back, Smith noticed the odd effect created by the steam puffs scooting across the screen and decided to reproduce it deliberately. A few films uh, use this effect to represent invisible ghosts or have toys come to life, you know, obviously just stop motion things. But just again, that idea of like, wait, this is something that was unintentional and like, how do we intentionally reproduce it now? Throwing it to some of the Kappa regimes, talking about uh, how history is reflected or um, influenced. Ryan said that both films are extremely remarkable for their times. The Haunted Hotel felt like a bunch of fun camera tricks and the Eclipse felt like <laughs> Melies being Melies. So simple yet pretty incredible even now. George said these are prime examples of how early filmmakers explored, innovated, and experimented with stop action and special effects. And then Kim said so many new techniques in film. And again, it's it's editing is really coming to the forefront. They're in collaboration and competition with each other. It's pushing what film can do and be. And again, we, we talked about how it used to like so many people who got in at the very beginning of film were being like, eh, it's not lucrative. It's not going to last. It's a fad. And it's really because of editing and, and starting to think about like, well, instead of just like, well, this is fun and cool tricks. We can tell stories. What can we experiment with and what can we do? One of my favorite things is from the get-go, horror is, is a first impulse. Like one of the very first films ever created is a horror film. And it's it's just like spooky times, you know, but it's like, what does that mean that when we want to tell stories, we like that horror, horror and comedy are like the first stories that we go to. I just love that. <laughs> like it's so, is it because it, it evokes the most reaction? Like fear and laughter are like so universal, but they're also like, they mean so much. And are they easy to to like provoke? Like, what, what do you have any thoughts on this? I think that's what people are fascinated with the most. I don't mm. know, like fascination with horror the has this yeah horror has this just like you can't stop watching even though you don't want to keep watching and I think it's been that way forever I don't know I don't know if it's like an instinct to be able to prepare for bad things happening mm. or it's just interesting but I think yeah they capitalized on that they're like oh people want to watch this and yeah and yeah 
like the thrill that comes when you get scared, like the jump scares, like the adrenaline. It's yeah. It's like a little high. Yeah. The little adrenaline rush. And it makes me think of like the penny dreadfuls that are written in newspapers that are like these little like, ooh, scary things that, you know, that are running rampant in London and mm -hmm. just like little, I don't know that this is so much a like film specific thing. It's just like a human impulse in telling stories and, you know, you're around a, a campfire at night and mm -hmm. you want to tell ghost stories. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's also, that's interesting. And then of course, entertainment is so right at this time is so rooted in vaudeville and variety acts and you come out and you see like a dance number and then you see a, a singing number and then you see like a, a physical act and and so that was so much of the impulse was like just transforming that and moving it to the screen and I think that's a lot of like 19th century film um, whereas this early first decade of the 20th century is starting to move more into story-based oh, which is so fun oh I love it mm -hmm. and then with Melee's especially you can really see like the move into discovery and what what does it mean to tell stories um there, there starts to be more of a script like haunted hotel you just what's in front of you is what you get like this there's, there's really no explanation like who is this guy where is he going why is he here why is he haunted like did he bring this upon himself does this just exist as a spooky house like um the eclipse I, there are like little things that come up that explain kind of what's happening right like there's mm -hmm. uh breaks in the story but it's a spectacle which is like the French word for shows is spectacle. And I just, I love that, like, and that's more for, like, a stage production, but I, it's it's so, Melee's is a spectacle. Like, it's really, it's kind of hard to watch, I think, today because there's, like, it's just, like, whoa, and why is this happening? And why are there women on stars, like, just hanging out? Like, what does this have to do with anything? But, like, it is incredible when you stop to think about the grandeur of it all. But beyond that, like, uh, technical aspect, there is this interesting commentary on, like, man and nature and the folly of man trying to understand nature and grasp it like there is beauty out there but like can we comprehend it and is he trying to say that I don't know but like now that it is released to the world these are the things that we get to discuss and talk about and add meaning to and and that's what film is and it's so exciting um <laughs> I will just say my last couple of things and then any thoughts you have um because why does it matter like why even watch old films or think about it like okay they did they did their part back in the day and that's great for them and like we have films now that speak to us and are more interesting like why does it matter to go back and like obviously where we come from matters and I just think it's like so important for us to think that film from the get-go was about experimentation it was about collaboration competition innovation it's pushing boundaries to tell stories to wow audiences that's that's like when you boil it down that was the beginnings of film and so when we think about film today, how does it still continue that tradition? Uh, the film trickery and special effects that we rely upon today are built upon these beginnings and the drive in this art form, which is a complicated art form and combines so many other arts like writing, visual art, music, theater. The ways in which films today harken back to those early precedents is traceable and I think is important. And we can really see it. One of the things I was watching in preparation for kind of putting my thoughts together with this talked about Wes Anderson and how his style of filming is very reminiscent of Melier and like kind of these early art films of just like the camera is static and it just like kind of moves in one line and like everything happens right in front of you and it's very theatrical and I was just like mind blown because like <laughs> Wes Anderson is so specific and like his style it, it's you know there was a trend for a little bit of like Wes Anderson in Disney you know like they mm -hmm. people were trying to recreate his style and like to think about how that is like so rooted in the very beginnings of film is just like oh, 
so fun and just makes me love Wes Anderson all the more for it. He also uses a lot of stop motion. Right. Yeah. And like going back to fades and different stuff like, oh, Mm -hmm. I love it because as we see like some of these early precedents that are started out, we start to like back away from in future decades where fades aren't as cool anymore and the wipes aren't cool. And then who brings it back? Star Wars. Like, ah, I'm so excited (laughs) to talk about everything. Um, Rachel from the editing bay yet again. I just want to comment on how amazing it was that we had this discussion about the Lumiere brothers and early film and we talked about Wes Anderson and then a few weeks later, I meet him in a, in a museum about early film. So, LOL, predicting the future, APTTG. But yeah, we see in this decade, which I think is what is important here, because films have been made and experimented. Some, pe- some um, people in the reviews were kind of like, because there's a, a generic uh, form for each month this time. And one of the questions is like, how is the, how are things different from the previous decade? And people are like, are there films from the previous decade? And which is so fine. Like people don't really know film history, which is, you know, why would the average person <laughs> know specifics about the time and, and films? But like, I think it is important to realize in this 1900s decade that film is starting to take on more of a, a meaning, an important meaning that it's storytelling rather than just like, look at this strong man flexing, look at these people <laughs> leaving a factory. And it, that is cool because like in some ways there's some documentary elements going on there, but like, is that intentional or is it more just like, look at how technology is and look at the innovations we're creating. But now film means something more. Film is about storytelling. And I think the 1900s is really in, reflected in that and the the time period so the turn of the century innovation and invention are still at the forefront across the world and it is a time of relative peace before we enter the 1910s and all that that brings so did you have anything you wanted to add with the the history piece yeah i just think it really helps your pre appreciation of films now if you know where it came from and like also i'm wondering like what innovations will be made like how can Mm. film change which like Right now, it's like, I don't think they could get any better. Like, <laughs> Right, right. But um, that's probably core. what they thought in the 1900s, too. Exactly. Like, don't, don't be a Thomas Edison. <laughs> I think this is going to die out. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. At its core, film is about innovation and, pr- and pushing the boundaries of storytelling and technology. And we can't stop doing that. Oh, I love it. Perfect. Perfect synopsis. All right, we'll throw it over to our capital regimes. See what they have to say. Catherine, renewed appreciation for how humans strive to discover things about the stars and their ingenuity about film. I was pretty impressed with the haunted hotel and its effects. Having all the objects move on their own seemed to be ahead of its time. The lack of sound also emphasized how much sound contributes to film. It's something I don't always appreciate or realize until there is no sound in the background. The faces in the sun and moon were a bit off-putting, but I'm sure the technology going on for 1907 in this Melier film was pretty outstanding. Oh, see, I love it. Within this um, review already, it's talking about two different aspects of filmmaking. So good. And then Kim, (laughs) her word of caution to this tale was don't abandon self-awareness when taking in an eclipse, (laughs) which I thought was (laughs) hilarious. But also, yeah, make sure you're wearing your glasses. Make sure you're not (laughs) looking out an open window. Or if you are, make sure there's a a rain barrel underneath to break your fall. (laughs) My mom did say they're going to ruin their eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Ryan said, film is still very much in its infancy, but it's fun to see modern storytelling forming. Both films have a narrative, both have acting and makeup. It's pretty impressive to see a character fall from a window and have it edited so we can follow his descent. The Haunted Hotel felt like filmmakers trying to see what tricks and techniques they could discover. 
and Melier was already pushing for form by having the sun, moon, and stars all be characters and have emotions. Ah, see the yeah, the editing with the descent, like it's it's one thing, and that's what I think like was is a lot of the impetus for having film club is just like opening up different opinions and and expanding more for when you watch films of like how engaging it can be. And yeah, it's just when you you can watch it for plot and for entertainment value, but then when you can stop and think about like how did they make this, it just really helps you appreciate the film all the more. All right, George said, I'm so glad these films survived, but also glad the film has progressed as it has. They are clever and humorous, whimsical, and Eclipse is a bit risque with surprising dark endings as both protagonists meet their demise. The serious professor and the irreverent students were an especially nice touch. I enjoyed these and laughed a lot. According to a book before Mickey, the animated film, Haunted Hotel became the best-selling American film in France and over 150 prints were delivered throughout Europe. The courtship scene in, the, in Eclipse has been called one of the greatest moments of silent comedy. Uh, I don't Is know. That the, that's the, yeah. <laughs> the sunshine and the lips. <laughs> the, the tongues. Honestly, that is more of a horror film than the... <laughs> I was laughing so hard. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> so off-putting. It's so wild. <laughs> okay, and Jill said, what probably took them months to make and was so groundbreaking, I feel is very similar to the films my children made when little. I was an innovative filmmaker. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> so many crazy things. The Haunted Hotel seemed more like a comedy than a horror film, except the end when the freaky guy takes him. That was terrifying. I miss words and a soundtrack and all the other things in movies today, but they had to start somewhere. Love it. And I and probably more to the idea of like what are the like what's even happening where is the plot as far as like you know the children waking when they were little <laughs> but uh, yes and definitely we'll get to to sound and music and dialogue and it has its place but don't count the silent films out there are a lot of incredible stories that are told and don't rely on any dialogue and have other strengths going for them so don't uh don't be too quick to write silent films <laughs> off quote-unquote silent films because most of them will stop music. All right. It is that time, though. We'll, we'll leave the serious discussion of the 1900s films, the 1907 films that we've picked in the past, and leave the gun. Take the cannoli. What would you like the ghosts to prepare you for? Oh, how delightful. <laughs> um, A cheesecake, of course. Oh. That's, that's asking a lot from the ghosts because they it seem to really just, intense. like, use what's already there. I don't know that they could use an oven, but... Yeah, have faith. Yeah. Oh, you know what? You're, you're absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> At what point would you have left the haunted hotel? What would have been your breaking point? The face on the <laughs> front of the hotel? I'd be like, I'm not entering this location. <laughs> Did the traveler even see that? That was unclear. Like... <laughs> assuming um, you didn't see the face okay i don't remember when the gloves started flying around okay i would maybe be like that's weird that's okay at one point there was a doll in the picture i yes. think i'll be out i'll be gone <laughs> dolls are your breaking point which is yeah. so impressive when you sleep in your grandma's house and she has that cabinet full of dolls like i told you i had nightmares <laughs> it's so terrible <laughs> Would you choose to be the sun, the moon, or a star woman? Oh, star woman, easy. But the the face looking is, you know, tempting. It would be kind of fun. Yeah. Oh, but also I would just need like so much chapstick after. This would feel (laughs) terrible. Would you rather work on a, um, which set would you, would you want to work on? 
would you like want to be involved in the stop motion aspects of it? Or would you want to be involved in like the grand visuals and and everything? Uh, probably like the Melier. I I feel like I would be more interested in just being part of a cast and more of the acting mm -hmm. rather than the film techniques and stuff. I feel like you can do that one. Okay, I'll claim it. <laughs> would you choose to fall into a barrel of water or something else? <laughs> something else probably <laughs> but what would that other thing be yeah um but it's head first which is you know maybe the water is the right way to go unless it's like a ball pit or like a foam pit you know that feels safer yeah a foam pit yeah <laughs> <laughs> they have those at the the trampoline places mm -hmm. my question for you oh if you were going to make a movie would you want to make a movie with ghosts or would you want to make a movie with like scary things in the sky <laughs> because they're both unsettling well you know i love space it's true um, i didn't even really think about how perfect these films were for us yeah. it's it's our space and our and spooky space. space and spooky that's the <laughs> these are our two genres <laughs> spooky and space um okay our capo regime questions you can start them off which did you like better the sun or the moon I think I'm gonna have to go look up a picture of them. I know. I feel like the sun was a little more crazy and unhinged. I think I liked the moon a little bit better. Okay. Oh my, you you're right. It's yeah. It's like oh, I actually am a big fan of the sun. Like his crazy eyebrows. Come on. <laughs> oh, he's crazy, and he's doing this like thing with his mouth. Yeah, I'm going with the sun. He feels more cartoonish, and for some reason that feels safer to me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, if you had to portray a moon face being attracted to a sun face, how much lip licking would you do? <laughs> <laughs> Minimal. <laughs> <laughs> Probably none. <laughs> I would not have, that would not have been my first instinct of portraying a sun or moon i i think but if it you know it's like attraction i think it would be more the like the like lip teeth like lick the tooth than like lip the lick the lips you know like that's yeah, more I of think. the like sexy move nowadays is like ah, <laughs> you know <laughs> it's going for the vampire look so. right right eclipse satirized education and science which social institution would you satirize in film oh man how to pick just one the government <laughs> <laughs> see i'm like Prisons, hospitals, mm -hmm. schools. There's so much to critique here. All the systems Everything. are broken. <laughs> Specifically, uh, we'll, we'll go with schools. I feel like that's that's pretty high on my list of reform. All these things need reform. You just said the government straight up. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, what natural phenomenon would cause you to fall out the window while beholding it? Haley's Comet, just because it's referenced so much. Aurora Borealis. <gasps> Such a good answer. Oh my gosh. Ugh. Apparently it was like supposed to be visible in Utah at some point, either coming up or yeah, it just I passed. Read, I heard about that, but it was like, like not up north. very convenient. Yeah. Right. And not a convenient time of the day. Yeah. How much would you be willing to pay to spend one night in the haunted hotel? Well, barring like being eaten at the end. <laughs> You would pay zero dollars? You would do it for free? <laughs> oh. I guess, I guess it, it How is much like would you pay? To spend a to, night? To, yeah. Like, it's a privilege. Yeah, it is a privilege. I, I, would, I would, if we could do it together, 50 bucks, easy. <laughs> if, if there was also, like, 
we're just going to be danced around with little spookies and have our meal prepared for us <laughs> and not be eaten at the end. And like maybe we get like some some room tilting action. Fifty dollars for sure. I'd be happy to pay that. If somebody paid me, <laughs> here's here's the thing. I'll pay. I'll put up a hundred bucks. Fifty dollars goes to the room. Fifty dollars goes to you. <laughs> okay, fifty dollars doesn't really seem like it's worth it, but <laughs> fifty bucks ain't bad. <laughs> <laughs> At what point would you have left the Honda Hotel if you would have left? Oh. We talked about. Well, oh, but I didn't you- answer. When would you uh, probably when like the demon shows up the giant demon but is that too late at that point have I been then he'd already grab you I've been sucked into the the spiral like when they go show up and dance I'm like this is a party y'all like <laughs> it is just a, a supernatural rave this is all I've ever <laughs> wanted to do is a good time in the graveyard Chernabog this is all I've been saying that's your dream and <laughs> um, which of the crazy celestial beings would you like to be hmm you kind of, I guess you answered. I think I'd also like to be a star lady. They mm-hmm. seem pretty, pretty happy floating around. Yeah, just, just looking pretty. No need to lick your lips <laughs> <laughs> or do any winking. Blech. Yeah, <laughs> I hate the winks. All right, yeah. So I feel like we we talked about a lot, and there's still so much more that could be discussed with these films. So that is the beauty of films and film club, and I'm so excited to continue on this journey. A reminder to keep an eye out for that email if it hasn't already been sent and make sure you watch uh poor little rich girl any parting words well it's just crazy to think like how many other films i've never heard of from this time period um i don't know like looking for examples it's like i was kind of overwhelming how many people were working on these things and yeah it's cool that I guess that's how it is still, but like, just like all these people were interested in it and working, feeding off of each other's ideas. And and the the rate of production is also pretty insane. Like, mm-hmm. especially Melier himself, like made so many films and so many of them are lost. And that's the other sad thing is like, we were overwhelmed and yet think of everything that's been lost to time. Right. so sad. But yeah. One day. One day. But... <laughs> um but yeah okay that was film globe